0: first scripture reading is from Psalm 1 verses 1 through 6. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish.
1: And our gospel lesson this morning comes from Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man there named Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was so short. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Come, Lord, gift us with your Holy Spirit this morning that we may see you more clearly, that we may examine our own hearts and our own lives more clearly in order to follow you. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Do you ever have the experience where somebody asked a really great question. Sometimes, somebody asks a question about a Bible story that really sticks out. That happened for me this week. I was reading a work by a theologian from Baylor University, and he made me see this story that I have known since childhood in a whole new way. It's a pretty simple question. What if Zacchaeus was a little person? What if Zacchaeus was born with a form of dwarfism? Now the definition for that in, in current modern day is shorter than four- foot 10 inches. But it's an interesting question. What if Zacchaeus's shortness isn't just a little throwaway detail in the story. What if it's a big deal? What if it's been the defining characteristic of Zacchaeus for his whole life? To help you imagine this, I want you to imagine the Hollywood version. And of course, there's only one actor we would hire to play Zacchaeus, Peter Dinklage. He gets all the roles, right? But think this through. Play this out in the Hollywood version here, right? What if Zacchaeus has been despised his whole life? What if he's been the kind of person that's been ignored and overlooked his whole life? If Zacchaeus is indeed a little person, he's been an outsider since the day he was born. No wonder he ends up working as a tax collector for the Roman Empire. What if Zacchaeus is the kind of person who would never have darkened the door of a church, as they say? Because literally... Here's a passage from Leviticus. For no one who has a blemish shall draw near, one who is blind or lame, or one who has a mutilated face or a limb too long, or one who has a broken foot or a broken hand, or a hunchback or a dwarf, or a man with a blemish in his eye, or an itching disease or scabs. No descendant of Aaron the priest who has a blemish shall come near to offer the Lord's offerings by fire. Since he has a blemish, he shall not come near to offer the food of his God. Doesn't that one question change the way you picture Zacchaeus? Now you could understand why you would be unable to see Jesus walking by on the road. It changes how it would look for Zacchaeus to be stuck in the crowd, how it would look for him to to run ahead, how it would look for him to climb a sycamore tree. All of these would have been physically demanding tasks if Zacchaeus was as short as he might have been. But instead of a person to be pitied, Zacchaeus becomes an actor and an agent for his own salvation. He strains to see Jesus. And he runs ahead, climbs a tree, until Jesus comes walking by and says, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm coming to your house today. You know the song, right? What if that's part of the reason? that the crowd gets so upset that Jesus would go to Zacchaeus's house to eat with him. But this fits right in with what Jesus does over and over. Jesus and his followers in the book of Luke, in the book of Acts in particular, are always reaching out with grace to those who were excluded from temple worship. Those who were not allowed to enter the house of God. You have the woman who's bent over, the woman with the bleeding disease, you have Zacchaeus, you have the man who's lame from birth, the Ethiopian eunuch, later in Acts. All would have been separated from their faith and unable to enter the temple gates. So instead, Jesus goes to them. There's a wonderful book by the late Japanese theologian, Kosuke Koyama, and uh, the name of the book is this, Three Mile an Hour God. Koyama talks about going at Jesus speed, that throughout all of the scriptures, Jesus never goes more than three miles an hour. I mean, think about it. In that day and age, he never catches a cab, Never hops on a plane. Never in his entire life or ministry was Jesus in a rush. He's never too busy. He's never going more than three miles an hour. Koyama says God walks slowly because God is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. And he explores this image of walking with God, pointing out that it's always walking with God, not running with God. And Jesus comes through town at this speed, three miles an hour, slow enough to stop and notice a little man up in a tree, and slow enough and unhurried enough to come to dinner at his house that day. The story of Zacchaeus is one with incredible hope. Have you ever said the phrase, some people never change? You ever felt that way, right? Has anybody ever said that about you? That can be a real problem. I was hanging out with some guys that I went to high school with a few weekends ago, and in my hometown, it seems like things never change. Little old Hometown. It's a hard place to get away from your family's reputation. Everybody knows everybody else and they've known them for generations before. And it seems like things never change and people never change. In fact, the story right before the story of Zacchaeus in the Bible is the story of someone who was unwilling or perhaps unable to change. Right before this is the story of the rich young ruler. Jesus makes him an offer sell all that you have and give it to the poor, then come and follow me. Do you remember the rich young ruler's response? He walks away looking sad. But Zacchaeus is the opposite. He does everything he can to follow Jesus. He joyfully receives the invitation to eat a meal with him. Then Zacchaeus offers voluntarily to make restitution for his past. He tells Jesus, look, I will give away half my possessions, and if I've cheated anyone, I will pay them back four times as much. This is the, keeping with the Levitical law's strictest requirements. And the tense in Greek is very important because it implies an ongoing action. When Zacchaeus says he will pay everyone back, it's an indication of a lifestyle change, not just a, a one-time promise or a one-time gift. Zacchaeus's life is changed. The response to Jesus by these two men couldn't be more different. The rich young ruler who walks away sad and Zacchaeus who joyfully receives Jesus into his home. And Jesus announces while he's at dinner with Zacchaeus that today Salvation has come to this house. I was pondering salvation this week, and I was pondering it in a very particular place. The bathroom at the Pennsylvania Turnpike rest area. Now you may be wondering, Pastor Nick, did you take a picture in the men's bathroom at the Pennsylvania Turnpike rest stop I did not, but later I wished I had. So it looked just like this. But it turns out if you Google uh, Bible tract on urinal, you can find this on Google. So it looked just like this. And I thought, did anyone really ever find Jesus in the men's bathroom on the Pennsylvania Turnpike? Do they read this booklet? and then kneel down on the restroom floor and and say the little prayer that's on the back page? I had a lot of trouble picturing that, right? That's not the way it worked. Salvation in Zacchaeus' story is different than this, right? Salvation arrives when Jesus came to Zacchaeus. Salvation comes when God moves toward us, in our pain, in our need. One of my early mentors in the ministry, uh, Greg Myers, said that the Zacchaeus story needs to be the central story of the church. Think about that. Little, Little old Zacchaeus needs to be the central story for the church today. He said, we need to be a church who's ready to go where Jesus is already leading us, ready to go to the people. The Son of Man came to find and save the lost. Greg preached one time and said, we should all go out after church and find the biggest, baddest sinner that we can and go have a meal with them. Salvation. Comes to this house today is what Jesus announces to Zacchaeus and his guests. Salvation that is wholeness, that is restoration, that is community, that is a life changed by Jesus. Salvation comes anytime we encounter Jesus in our lives. Sometimes it happens quickly, other times it's it's slow. Some people remember a specific day, a specific time, a specific encounter with God's grace. And they can confidently point back in their lives and say, that's when I was saved. I can imagine that Zacchaeus probably told this story to his kids and his grandkids. Grandpa, tell us about the day that Jesus came to your house. And Zacchaeus would tell them over and over with joy about the day that he was saved. But For others, salvation isn't this cut-and-dry point in time. I was reminiscing back, and I I went to dig up an old picture, and after I I dug it up, I realized how old the picture really is. The boys are pretty little there. But I was remembering a trip to the coast of Maine. We went rock-hopping on the marginal way. I told them, you have to be careful when you go up there. You can hop across a dry rock and and run down a little trail and get up to the ocean's edge and then realize that the tide is starting to come in. And slowly but surely, those rocks that you use to get there can become covered by water. And you can go from a a fun rock-hopping experience to a dangerous one if you're not careful. I wonder if salvation is like the tide coming in sometimes. God's grace working in our lives slowly. Sometimes so slowly that we don't really notice it's happening. But then, all of a sudden, we can become aware of its presence and its power. There's one last detail in Zacchaeus' story that I think is very significant. And it's that he went in a different direction from the crowd Can you imagine if he he had just stayed put where he was? Jesus would have ridden on by and Zacchaeus wouldn't have seen him and they wouldn't have had the encounter that they had, except that Zacchaeus went in a different direction from the crowd. Reminded me of a time when I was a kid. I was in a cattle pen, very similar to this one, with my little cane helping my dad to, to move some cows. And slowly but surely, I realized was getting into a dangerous situation. As the cows all started to move in one direction, I was swept up in the crowd, literally trapped amongst those animals. It can be kind of funny if that happens to you, but it can quickly go from funny to dangerous when you realize that these are 2,000-pound animals. And when they start to get agitated or move quickly and tighter together, they can squeeze you in, and even crush you. I was just a little guy, and I remember how scared I was being swept up by these bigger animals, and I started shouting for help from my dad. And he yelled back the instructions, Go up! And I realized that the the panels of the gates that I was getting pushed up against are actually rungs of a ladder, too. So I quickly scrambled up and stayed above the fray as these huge beasts made their way down past me. And that reminded me of Zacchaeus, right? He's trapped in the crowd, and the only way out is to go up. If you're a parent, you probably, like me, worry about the crowd, right? And worry about your kids and which crowd they're with which group of friends they surround themselves with at school. But I wonder if we should worry about some other crowds too, like uh, which political party we choose to affiliate with, or which social media we choose to consume, or the coworkers that we choose to hang out with, or the groups that we spend our free time with. Think about the crowds that you're a part of, Are those groups helping you to get a better look at Jesus? Are the groups that you run in helping you to lead a more Christ-like life? If not, what ways this morning do you need to go in a different direction than the crowd? Like Zacchaeus, what change do you need to make to better see Christ in your life? Maybe one of the ones that the kids mentioned earlier. Spending time in prayer. Spending time reading scripture. Hanging out with a small group like a Sunday school class. Or maybe it's the opportunity to serve others or visit a shut-in or view some art or make some art. What is it that would help you this week better see Christ? Thanks be to God. For the story of Zacchaeus, a little man who went in a different direction, who went above the crowd, and who encountered Jesus and whose life was forever changed, may it be also with us, so that we too can declare, today salvation has come to this house. Amen.